dirty, nasty, and controversial sports talk podcast for all things Detroit sports and sports worldwide. Here are your hosts, Tony, Joey, Frank, and Gerard, four lifelong friends born and raised in South Detroit. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Revolutionary Sports Front, episode 21, and I am joined to my left, Tony Preston, to my right, Gerard, Joey, calling in sick. Um, I showered with Michael Phelps. We know, Joe. I got a a lot to talk about today. I am sure the the gentlemen do as well. It's a pretty monumental day, Tuesday evening, coming off UFC 202 on Saturday. Uh, One of the best fights I've seen in a while, if not ever. Football coming up, uh, the Olympics going on, a lot to talk about, and uh, there, there's no other way of getting around it besides starting off with with the with the fight of the year so far. Um, Tony, who's supposed to be our UFC expert, I might be uh, up for the challenge on on that title for this show based on the predictions. We'll talk about that one soon, but I'm going to kick it over to him, let him break it down for you, tell you what happened, and and we'll get going with the show. I'm excited. Yeah, definitely one of the best fights I've seen all year. In that main event, also the card, the four lead-up fights were all knockouts. It was a great card to watch, even though you guys didn't want me to talk about a couple of the earlier fights, but that's a story for another day. So we had a fight where, as Frank said so eloquently in the last episode, Diaz's kryptonite is leg kicks, and Connor used leg kicks. I listened to a lot of experts. That's kind of how... Tony, correct, like me if I'm, no shit. correct me if I'm wrong, Tony, but last week when Frank brought up leg kicks, I asked you, is it possible for uh, McGregor to change his stance? And you, as our expert, quote-unquote, said uh, his stance is too heavy to be able to adjust and kick his leg out. I, I'm real quick, Tony, I'm not trying to take your title away. I might have got a little bit lucky with this one, but you got to give, give me this one. I, when I was talking about leg kicks and breaking it down, you want no part of it. You didn't want any part of the leg kicks. I'll admit. I mean, like I was saying, I listened to a lot of did pick Diaz, by the way. were kicks to the leg. What a great guy. That was a great prediction, Frank. But as I was saying, I listened to a lot of guys who are world-renowned experts in MMA, for, former wow. fighters in their interviews and stuff, and a lot of them all said if Diaz could use leg kicks, it would work out. Or, I mean, if Connor could use leg kicks against Diaz, it would work out great for Connor. But all of them also said the same thing, that Diaz that Diaz could easily learn to check a leg kick, which he actually did check some in the fight, and that's how Connor broke his foot later on in the fight. But also that for Connor, with the way his stance was, he'd have to actually kind of change his stance and how he stands, which with his ego, they weren't sure if he'd be willing to do that, because as we can all know, he has a very large ego. And it's very egotistical in the way he speaks, but it kind of seems when he fights that he's willing to do what he needs to do to win, even if it's maybe not the prettiest, where he's looks like he's running away from a fighter because he knows he's up on the cards and doesn't want to take that knockout or risk getting in a situation where he can get submitted. Okay, well, well, you're giving us a mouthful, Tony. You're, Tony's obviously excited, and you're saying some valuable stuff. Well, let's slow down a little bit. You said uh, some good things. McGregor... Did need to change his style, and he did. And as far as the leg kicks go, yeah, he did have to change his style up. But I, I did say it last week too. You know, he can throw a hell of a wheel kick. 
So kicks were there. He just didn't necessarily throw the leg kicks like we saw on Saturday. But the the leg strength and the kicking uh, power was there to be had, and he utilized it really well. And Diaz did check some of those kicks, but again, if you watch some of those fights where he just got just tore in half by leg kicks, his boxing style, he puts a lot of weight in that front foot, and it's just there's not much he can yeah, do. Yeah, it makes it hard to style. check the leg kicks, which also, with the way Connor stands, and he's as I said, he's very heavy on his feet, that's what makes it hard to throw a kick also from that position. Sure. Where, as Diaz didn't quite adapt to stance as much as Connor did, because, like you said, Connor didn't knock him out the last time. Maybe he learned from it, so he wasn't going to throw his hardest shots and waste his energy. So I think he was later on his feet, which allowed him to throw those leg kicks. Okay, so I, I'm going to kick it over to Gerard. Gerard's chomping at the bit over here, but I wanted to bring you in for this, Gerard, is because the general question, and we could break down the fight you know, as much as we want to. We got all the time in the world tonight, okay? We don't have work till the morning. But the big question is, you know, because this fight, was very polarizing. Obviously, it was a majority decision. Connor won the fight, and it's Tuesday, and there's time to reflect. Jerry, do you think that the decision was was proper? Yeah, I'm not really sure. Tony made a couple of half points, and there are a lot of things I want to get to on this, but let's start with the overall result. And Everybody's saying this is somehow controversial, but I don't think there's any question that one and two went to McGregor. Three was Diaz. It might have been uh, 10-8 Diaz, but one could have been 10-8 McGregor, in my opinion. And then you had round four, which McGregor, I got to check what's in that guy's water bottle because he came back strong, had the stamina of a horse in that round. And then in round five, he was just running away. And I'd, I'd argue that in the last 10 seconds, we'll see who 10 seconds were left, and he wasn't going to get knocked out in 10 seconds. He just, I mean, at the, Diaz had him, well, had him mounted and was pounding on him and kind of was saved by the bell, but McGregor was clearly out of energy. And, like, a lot of people were saying, oh, he ran away, he ran away. That's what... That's the point game, people. It's a small that's what you cage. Gotta do. You know, I don't like that excuse. Yeah, I agree. Using. They say, like, Diaz fans will say, oh, McGregor's running away. And then my counterpoint would be like, yeah, if somebody's running away, it's pretty easy to fucking punch that person. They're like, oh, well, if you're someone tries to punch him, he's going to get knocked out. And it's like, well, then isn't running away a good strategy? You know what I mean? Like, it was a good strategy. I mean, Diaz is a big in boy. that situation, when you're McGregor and clearly your hands are heavy and you're not throwing them as quick, and in that situation, you don't want to stand there and trade with Diaz. It works best to basically get out of that situation, make Diaz adjust, and come at you again. Maybe let him land a couple shots, but then get out of there because you know you're up on the cards. You won round one. You won round two, probably. And you also won round four, which that's the one where... With the way some of the, I know it was a majority decision because uh, one of the judges scored it a forty-seven, forty-seven draw. But wasn't it because of ten-eight in the fifth? Yeah. So Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! The fifth was a ten-eight for one of the judges. Yeah, because McGregor's running away. Yeah, and Diaz did make the point that back in the day in UFC, if you ran away, it was a point deduction in boxing. Yeah, right there now a, it is. Well, there is actually been fights in the UFC. We'll get to that. But mostly, it's a guy who has gotten his ass kicked for the first two rounds, and then round three, he just literally runs in the opposite direction of the guy who's coming towards him and does everything he can well, I mean, Mc- to stay away Diaz from him. Diaz was standing in the middle of the round with a middle finger up like he always does. McGregor ran away. I've never I've seen people like purposely avoid, but like McGregor literally was just running in a circle so Diaz could hit him, which is cowardly in a sense, but it won the fight, so you can't knock it. The running away part was not, not nearly as big of a deal. All right, look, we, we all watch I mean, UFC. here's the thing. The if you're a McGregor, the first thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to get a warning from the ref. 
So you can run until that ref gives you a warning. Then you might have to stand and trade because he's not going to go directly to a point deduction. Of course, one of the judges saw it as it should have been a point deduction and therefore gave the 10-8 round to Diaz. Okay, sure, that's good. But I'm, but I'm saying that people were making a, too big of a deal about McGregor running away. It happened a little bit in the third round. If you're just someone who doesn't watch UFC and you're just watching two guys in a steel cage naked fighting, if you watch the first round I don't, and you know anything about the scoring system, an easy argument can be made that it was a 10-8 round by McGregor. He's dropping him around. It, it was just hands no. down. He whooped his ass. Second round comes. If you watch the first two rounds in general, McGregor clearly won. He was just a, clearly a higher yeah, skill fighter. Yeah, he clearly fighter. won, but he was not 10-8. This isn't boxing where a knockdown is you know, This isn't 10-8. boxing. You want to use that argument. You can tell your boy Diaz there's no rules against running away, and it's a small cage, and he's allowed to do well, that to buy the, time. The, so it's either one or the other. No, there's, there are rules against running away, Frank. Well, did he break him? Well, tell some, that to Diaz. Some people you argue. Diaz, right? You're sounding like someone that picked McGregor last week, is what it sounds like, and you're backtracking. You're seesawing. Hit no, Diaz I'm bucket. not. This guy's seesawing his way from Washington. I'm getting pissed Okay, now. you guys got to both calm down. Well, it's a controversial fight, and he's acting like you picked I don't, McGregor. This, the point I'm trying to make I is didn't I don't think McGregor. Was, Tony, chill. The point I'm trying to make is that it's not controversial. D, McGregor whooped him in the uh, first round just as bad as Diaz whooped him in the fifth. The second round, Conor McGregor dominated for about three minutes and 30 seconds of action, including two knockdowns. We'll, If we want to, we can get to McGregor not pouncing on top of him. And then Diaz started, at, when the leg hit came, he'd check it or he'd eat it, then clan him, pop, pop, pop. And you could see, I thought it was the same thing. You could tell McGregor was gassed, and I thought, oh my God, we're about to watch the same fight. So do we all agree that McGregor won the second round then? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, so but two, it was only one. It three was a, went to Diaz. It was three minutes of domination. By McGregor to one of Diaz, but everybody's saying it's how you end the round. Not, I don't get that. That's stupid. It's I don't even think it's close. When, it's because when pride was in existence, a lot of the judges. I don't think the general public's referring to something that happened in pride, Tony. I just I'm saying it's an anomaly, and no, I don't because get it's, it. it's, it goes again. It goes with the public thinks. If a guy's coming it's because back, somebody. If, it's the last thought in your mind of a round is what you saw the last minute of the but round. But that's stupid. That's yes. stupid. It's because they're stupid people who watch sports, okay. Frank. And, and again, you hear the crowd going nuts when in the third round when Diaz does all that. And that, just because Diaz starts having some success in the third round doesn't take away the ass whooping that he took in the first two. Just because the crowd's getting loud about it has nothing to do with it. So Diaz wins round three. We're, we're almost there. Then comes four, McGregor, whatever they put in the water bottle, like you said, comes out, wins round four for sure. And even though Diaz did win round five, I think there's a lot to be said about, what, was it five takedown attempts that Diaz had against McGregor? And he stuffed all of them to that last bullshit 10-second one. Yeah, but what, even uh, at that, uh, McGregor belt. had a takedown in round five. He did. So that's one-to-one. One, great point. That's one-to-one one in takedowns. Like and he stuffed four at least. At least. I thought it was five. He stuffed four or five double-leg attempts. And that's got to count for something to judge his eyes. So that was a 10-9 round at best. He won three rounds to two. He won the fight. The only reason that all this controversy is coming is because Diaz is a liked guy, after, especially after the lack fight, his personality. And he had some success in the third round, a little bit at the end of each of the other rounds that McGregor won in the first place. It's also because there's casual fans who don't know as much about the sport as we do. Exactly. Well, you got people that are 10 beers deep and a half a pizza deep in the audience. Diaz starts doing good in the third round, and all of a sudden he's the next coming of Muhammad Ali. That's just not the case. McGregor was whooping his ass in the first two rounds. He dropped him easily. I can't believe he didn't get that. I mean, he, I have an argument that he could have pounced on him. He didn't, you don't want to burn out, but he could have pounced on him there. Well, he did say he was going to knock him down, and then if we're talking about the, I think it was before the first fight. He was talking about pounce on you, and I'll choke you out like a line on Gazelle or some shit like that, but, uh, or a boa constrictor on a Gazelle. So, I mean, Conor McGregor wanted no part of the ground. There was part of me that thought Diaz was just like, Diaz clearly went out there to eat shots, 
And then whether I'm McGregor, just like last time, and it almost worked. But I think at one point, until I watched the replay, I thought Diaz, when he got popped on the head, he was purposely standing loose in his stance, and he fell down, and he wanted McGregor to pounce you on him. You read my mind. So he was saying that in the group text. Yeah, yeah I think he purposely, it was almost like a strategy. But Diaz is, he acts like, oh, yeah, I just heat up. Like, it, later on, I, like, get better. He purposely goes out there because, I don't know, like, he knew McGregor couldn't knock him out. He purposely went out there and let McGregor, he, McGregor was doing leg kicks, leg kicks, leg kicks, leg kicks. First about three minutes and 30 seconds. Then all of a sudden, pop, 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 Diaz eating him. McGregor, you could tell, snap back to that, like, I'm about to knock this guy out mentality that he's trained with his whole life. Then he get, comes out in the second, does the exact same thing, leg kick, leg kick. But as soon as his trainer voice got ahead, it's like the pop, pop, pop to the face, and he tires himself out. Exactly. And in round three, he was completely gassed, and he ran away. He avoided getting taken down. He spent a lot of time well, also, the Also, in round three, that was when a lot of people believed that he broke his foot because that was the one leg kick that was checked. Yeah, that's true. But he came out on four and came back to the leg kick and run strategy, which I think is a – the leg kick and run strategy might be the best strategy in the UFC. Aldo did it to Faber for 25 minutes of leg kicks. Uh, there was a guy doing it early in the fight, one of the early fights, maybe one of the undercards. If you can get it down and master that that way of going, it, it's really hard to stop, especially for a fighter like Diaz or the way Faber fought. If What's you, like you the – I don't just – I mean, I know if they stick their front leg out there pretty far and they're tall, that's like a good strategy. But, like, when Silva's in his prime, what would we have done if somebody tried to do that to him? Like, just catch the leg and take him down? No, what you do is you raise up the leg so their shin hits your shin and that hurts really bad. So that way they'll stop doing it. Yeah, McGregor. It's called checking a leg kick. Great. but uh, So anyways, can we agree with this? Uh, now that we talked about this, besides someone being an asshole, there's really no argument to be had that Diaz won that fight. No, I just don't understand how I, I don't. I don't, I don't get how – I mean, after you let it soak in and the, and the emotions linger out of your body, I, I don't really see how anyone – I mean, there's really no one that can truly believe that Diaz won that unless you're in his corner like that, that ESPN analyst. I forget the, the guy's name, but – I mean, Chase right? Shields, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anyone can make that argument that Diaz actually won the fight. I think it was just. Emo- I, I think if you're making an argument that Diaz won the fight, then you shouldn't really allowed to be talking about fighting. But I think this brings us to a greater point about sports. Like when you like a team, you always see what they're doing is right and what's happening to them is wrong. Like when you like a fighter, you're just so blindly in love with their style and stuff like that that you can't see. Like I really, I don't like either one of these fighters. I want to see them both get knocked out in the next little bit. But that's I, I wanted to ask a question to both you guys. And now that we covered that McGregor won, I, I don't want to let Diaz off the hook, or McGregor, McGregor for that matter. So after the fight, Diaz comes out with, with these crazy excuses about why you know, he should have got put away. He's talking about his injuries from camp and his rib, and he wasn't able to, like, to box or spar for two weeks, couldn't do jiu-jitsu for a month, which if he's as good as everyone says he's at boxing and jiu-jitsu, uh, that shouldn't matter. You know, he's, uh, he said all he was doing was riding a bike and shadow boxing for like a month. And then McGregor, on the on the contrary, I, he, who's my boy, but I gotta be fair. McGregor comes out and says, you know, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, motherfucker, and talking all this stuff when he didn't put him away. He just won by a majority decision. So we got to talk about the the fighters' reactions to the win and loss. I'm really parts. glad you brought this up, Frank, because I I we, we're talking about talking about. It, but I forgot we were going to. I don't like how because Diaz had five and a half months to train. So his last month, he couldn't do jiu-jitsu. All then, of a sudden. Uh, so, but he had four months. He's been doing his whole life, and he couldn't do one month of it. That's ridiculous. And number two was, it was only two and a half weeks that he couldn't box coming up to the fight. You had five and a half months to spar. Five and a half months. The last two and a half weeks, you should be taking it easy. It's like a taper period. You should be building up the muscle. You should be riding a bike and shadow boxing your last two and a half weeks. I mean, he redeemed himself later in the press conference and came back and, like, Pretty much said I won, but what really saddened me about the end of this fight was when it all was over, 
Diaz helped McGregor up, and like in the post fight press conference, like you know, we were gladiators in there, or whatever he said, or something like that. Like, oh, we're fighters. Like when it's over, it's over. We beat the hell out of each other. After the match, they said that was a hell of a fight. I can't wait to go for the third one. But instead, Diaz starts by saying, "Oh, I think I won that fight, man. I don't care about points." And then you have McGregor says, "Surprise, surprise, motherfuckers! The king is back." It's like, dog, you were running away. Don't call it. The king doesn't run. All right. LeBron James doesn't run away from a challenge. I don't like him, but at least he Unless stays it's on the Draymond court. Green. LeBron James also knows how to pace himself throughout not only a season, but also for <laughs> through four quarters of a game. I mean, that, that's just part oh, of being Frank. You and your love and for, of LeBron. Uh, four quarters of you guys making love. No, I'm just <laughs> saying it goes with, it goes with any athlete. You got to play the game. Look at George St. Pierre. He's one of the greatest fighters of of all time, arguably, and he wasn't the most exciting guy to watch. He looked at the clock. He would time out his takedowns. It's just part of the game, and, and, you know, this isn't... As much as people that are fans of Diaz want to act like we're brawling in an alleyway, which would be awesome to watch, and I'd pay to see it, but it's not. It's a, it's a fight in the octagon. It's scored by judges, and McGregor found a way to, to humble his ego that we talked about and find a way to win, and that's what champions do. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the, when you talk about judges, with MMA, there's been a lot of bad decisions from judges, which I think is where part of the criticism comes from is because of the fact that so there's been so many fights that judges have gotten wrong that then fans are overly critical to the point where even though they got it right, they don't know as much about the sport. They just, oh, there's judging controversy. And all they're thinking about from the second round is the last minute of the round where Diaz was clearly getting the better of McGregor, forgetting the first four minutes of the round where McGregor clearly got the better of Diaz. Right. Well, I mean, if you, you can always question yeah, the judges that's and referees. Good point, Tony, but, but what we're talking about here is their, their comments after the fight. You might as well just, I mean, if you, don't, if you want to start questioning the judges and their, and their credibility, you might as well just put a six-pan in our hands and let can us I, go score before it. Before we talk about uh, Tony's comments might after be the better fight, sometimes. I just want to, now we're back on the judges, unfortunately, but let's go to, I think another problem is, and this fight, people think the UFC wanted a third one, so there was a decision, no matter what, Diaz would have lost, and that's the argument they make to start off with. And I think that's the poor. I think if it was close, it probably would have gone to McGregor. But I really don't think it was close. All right, back to the post-game comments. Yeah, I mean, the whole McGregor, the King thing. I don't... You got choked out the last time you won a decision this time. And you didn't win a... But you're not the King of anything. You're fighting at 170. It's ridiculous. Emotions yeah. were high, in fairness. I just... I didn't like really either way. It just didn't sit well at first with the whole Diaz and the excuses routine and then McGregor coming out and just acting overly confident for a, a fight that was a war and was five rounds of a majority decision. I just yeah. thought it was a little much on and both then sides. with Diaz, my thing is everybody gets hurt in camp for the most part. There's almost never a fighter that comes into a fight at 100%. So we already all know that. Don't bring it up. You can just be like, camp didn't go as good as I thought, you know. But, hey, it came in here and gave it my all. Didn't get the decision today. I'm really glad you said that because it's so true. I mean, everyone's banged up. No one's 100%. I'm just, when you have five rounds just smacking the absolute piss out of each other, you could just say, like, I mean, I gave it all my all. Just, it's I think the reason why it resonates so strong with me was the fight before when Anthony Johnson knocked out Glover Teixeira. He went up and said, you're like a great... like Knocked his I, tooth like 20 feet yeah, in the air. Yeah, so he knocks him out in 13 seconds. Teixeira's never been KO'd, and it's just... Then he's, they stand up DC, and the crowd starts booing DC, and he's like, don't boo that man, he's a champion, and we're going to get it on when Dana lets us. And it's like, we saw this class after the event, and like I like some of the pregame trash talk, uh, but it, first of all... It it's what funny, sells the fights. But... It's just we saw straight class afterwards by and then straight ignorance in the next fight. 
Yeah, the straight class. No offense, that that knockout was sick, and I I do like sportsmanship. But well, you reason- said we saw the greatest fight of the year. I thought you were talking about that one personally. You no, know what I'm saying? There's just a reason why you know the Diaz and McGregor fight was like three million and two million, and those guys weren't making nearly that much. But I'm, I'm just saying that's that's part of the game. I thought the water. No, yeah, bottle, you're right. The marketing is you have to market yourself. The water bottle stuff I thought oh, was a little childish. God. That was too far. But the stuff before that McGregor was pulling that got him here, like you know he's throwing darts at all those head and chewing up the the piece of picture. A paper picture of him and eating it and and doing all that stuff. I thought it was a lot better before. It's kind of becoming more gimmicky in my eyes, but that stuff sells and that's what makes the fight so much bigger. But I, I do agree with you to some extent with the Anthony Johnson. There, you can't say one bad thing about him. Yeah, he's an absolute monster. Um, real quick, I think we can all agree that uh, McGregor purposely pulled out a two hundred with all that crap about retiring and all that. Now I don't want to do press conference. Just could have a little more time to change his style. Like he knew that two hundred was too close to fight Diaz. I don't agree with that, but I'll let Tony go first. I mean, I think part of it was true that he didn't want to do the press stuff because for him that was interrupting his training. And Yeah, but like Misha he, Tate said, he could have a freaking he's a private jet, he could put a gym on that bitch. Well Misha Tate also got her ass choked out there. She don't get me started on Misha Tate, but you can't really put a gym on a plane. I think that the I I just have a hard time believing that he just wanted an extra two months to prepare for Diaz. I think it just kinda worked out that way, but I think part of it was that it worked out that way. Part of it was also the fact that as a fighter, a lot of times you kind of get in that zone when you're training. And then when every other day it's, oh, I got to be on Skype for this call. Oh, I got to fly to L.A. for this. I got to fly to New York for that. And you're jetting all over the world and it's kind of hard to train. Even though, yeah, it's like, okay, I can hop on a plane, be there in three hours. Whereas... Be there for two hours for an interview, fly back in three hours. Okay, yeah, that's only eight hours out of my day. I still got, you know, if I'm getting eight hours sleep, another eight hours that I could train for. But it's just messing with your body the whole time when you're constantly flying back and forth, flying all over the place, trying to do the press conferences and everything. And that's, I think, part of his issue. And I know a lot of, there's a lot of fighters who talk about it. When you get to the top level like that, it's hard to stay at the top. Because then the media demands are so much greater because you're constantly doing interviews. You're constantly going on this show, constantly going on that show. And also now you got all these people telling you how awesome and how great you are instead of you're in the gym hungry wishing that was you on the TV. I got one last point that goes hand in hand with what you just said, and that was that was really good. But I think, just like I predicted last time, a, a big uh, factor with the fight with, with Diaz getting leg kicked and McGregor having success with that, I'll make a prediction, the first one maybe, that anyone's going to make for the third fight, and it goes with what you were just saying, uh, with media obligations and being a millionaire, you know, there, there comes certain skills and discipline to be had to have success in the future. Once you become a millionaire, you become popular. McGregor's proven that even with the fame and even with um, – all the pressure being on him, he's been able to show up. Even though he got choked out against Diaz, he's been able to show up and perform at a high level. Something about Diaz doesn't rub me the right way when it comes to millions of dollars and with a lot of the media <laughs> obligations and all this stuff for the third fight. I don't know how well these next few months are going to go for him or whether this rematch or the trilogy fight goes down. I just see him not being um, coming prepared as McGregor will. Diaz has been in the spotlight for a lot longer than McGregor has. Maybe not as big of a spotlight. Not nearly. He's a guy who he won season five of the Ultimate Fighter. This guy has been near the top 
of the lightweight division almost his entire time in the UFC. This is a guy who knows yeah, so what it's on like. On the breaks right there, you said lightweight, right? I don't need right? his damn resume. Correct. The thing is, for our fans that don't know, Tony, what does lightweights fight at? What do lightweights fight at? 155 pounds. And what uh, does McGregor normally fight at? What's his, what 145. Is and we had this fight at 170. Yeah, because that's what McGregor anybody, wanted. I just want to how much of a sham this is. The guys at 170 would whoop the hell out of these two kids, and they fight them at 170. And I know McGregor wanted it at 170, but the narrative we have now on ESPN is that Diaz, like McGregor says, only do it at 155. Will Diaz come down? Diaz wanted this fight at 155. Yeah, and here's the, the funny thing is, there's a lot of people who actually think that Diaz has a bigger advantage at 155 than he does at 170. Because for him to make 170, he doesn't have to eat as healthy as he does to make 155. So therefore, yeah, what I'm he's he going to be eating cleaner and therefore basically be putting better fuel into his body so that way he can cut the weight down and not lose the energy where they think that might actually help I wasn't help just him. saying that for shock value. The point I was trying to make was uh, um, Dana White has to have some kind of control over this whole thing. And he's got to stop him going 170. The first one was 170 because Diaz was literally taking shots at Mexico when he got called. And then, so they had to go 170 because only had two weeks. He couldn't have cut. But for this one, Dana White should have been like, yeah, you're a lightweight, Diaz. You're fighting at 155. You don't like that, McGregor. You don't buzz off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, well, well because, and them at 170 is an absolute joke. I couldn't imagine what Donald Cerrone would do to McGregor. Well, Donald Cerrone actually, would get his ass Donald off. Cerrone, there's a good chance, there's a lot of rumors, that he might be dropping to 155 again. I don't think Donald. I like where your head's at. I don't think Donald Cerrone was the best. All right, example, Robbie Lawler. Yeah, no, there's yeah, guys. Oh yeah, Robbie Lawler. Tyler used to be a middleweight. There you go. Those, Those are guys, two guys who used to fight at well, one. Well, Cerrone's just my boy. They would get ragdolled at one seventy for the most part, but Donald Cerrone get his ass whooped. I think. I think. GSB in his prime versus McGregor. I think Donald Cerrone and Nate Nate Diaz they and Donald Cerrone have fought. Diaz whooped. Uh, yeah, Cerrone's Diaz ass. whooped his ass bad. But was that at 155? Yeah, that was at one. I'll take Cerrone at one seventy. Diaz at one fifty five. Okay, so speaking about how did Donald Cerrone get on this show? Seriously. Oh, because he had a knockout on that card, which I... Yeah, he knocked out Rick Story, and his contract with the UFC is up. But there's a lot of talk that because of the fact that his last two fights have been so good, there's rumors that for him to re-sign with the UFC, he wants his next fight to be at the 155 for the title because he knocked out Eddie Alvarez before Eddie Alvarez got his title shot. Donald Cerrone's a bum. All right, we got a lot of good. Th- I'll <laughs> we'll end with that. Can I uh, ask you guys one more Dude, question? Donald Cerrone's right? been a literally. Uh, Isn't that the best fight card class. that we've ever had in terms yeah. of? I mean, Frank couldn't watch it, but we had a knockout in the first fight, a knockout in the second fight, a knockout in the third, and then a 13 second knockout in the fourth. So we get to see four sweet knockouts. So we get to the main event quicker than having these 15 minutes, drag them out, hump them on the ground fights. And then the greatest fight of the year, we get to see 25 minutes of two gladiators smacking the fuck out of each other. Yeah, that was an amazing card. You that know what I mean? was an amazing fight. Because we just, the first, who was it, Perry versus somebody in the first fight? Nobody gives a shit about those two people. You just want to see a knockout, and we got to see it. It never happened. Story versus Cerrone. All you want is a knockout. Got to see it. Tashira versus Rumble Johnson, knockout, got to see it. Well, I mean, Tashira Johnson, those guys are both kind of knockout artists. Like, everybody knew that there was probably going to be a knockout. Just nobody thought it was going to be 13 seconds into the fight. Yeah, that was sick. It was yeah. a great card, guys. I mean, I, I only got to watch the main event. I watched it back. I was working, but it, it was amazing to, to see the knockout and to see the, the war that we just talked for 35 minutes about. But I say we move on to football here. Uh, we're actually going to move on to the Olympics, but yeah, we got to keep it moving on the show. And uh, we like to make a little, it's not an apology on our part, but last week we broke the 
Ryan Lochte story or we talked about it right after it broke and it turns out it was 100% false. Well, not 100% false, Oh, okay. but he definitely fucking embellished that Well, he shit. said he was robbed and he wasn't robbed. What happened was they got drunk, they knocked down some bathroom doors, and then somebody pointed maybe or maybe not a gun in their car. They got out and then they had to pay for their damages and they were extorted a little bit. Which has happened to everybody in a foreign country. You get drunk, you break some things, and all of a sudden you end up paying $400 for a table. But Well, I mean, USA Today has also reported that they did their own investigation. And there's people saying that they didn't break the bathroom door. All they did was piss on the outside of the building and like van- and graffiti or vandalize some sign outside of the bathroom because the bathroom door was locked. And then the private security guards who it's come to find out that that's their night job. Their day job is working as prison guards in Rio. So they're kind of already, you know, that's why they got guns and badges and they're flashing them around. And they actually said that technically it could be considered robbery if the money that they took from them was more than the, the actual vandalism yeah, done to the technically that. All I'm saying is we came out and talked against Brazil, and we still believe in the shitty conditions, but that's not an example of why it was shitty. And I'm sorry to Brazil for you know going too far with that, but you guys still probably on the shit Olympics, and the United States still dominating. And Lochte's kind of a bitch because he left his boys behind. No, Lochte got the fuck out like his shit's not his fault. His boys Leave it to you in. swimmers to get us all and give America a bad name, by the way. Going around there causing trouble. You guys just can't keep your speedo on and swim back and forth a couple times. And get oh, I don't, Michael Phelps didn't cause any yeah. issues. Yeah, that we heard about. The thing is, Lochte got a reality TV show that was canceled for one season because he's so dumb. Like He's <laughs> like, yeah, I like saying cheer all the time, like with a C-H, cheer. And there was an hour of him just walking around going cheer at people. You know what I mean? Like, did you watch that? No, I didn't. Watch. I just saw one episode. Sounds like you watched. I that. didn't even watch a single episode because I saw a preview and went, "Wow, he's a fucking moron." Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, his IQ level can't be at the top of the charts. Like, I don't get why everybody's so upset about this. If you know who Ryan Lochte is, what happened was he got blackout drunk. He remembered it wrong, and he should have never told this story. What a ridiculous story, too. By the way, I didn't. Even, I didn't even follow the story closely, but I mean, the whole thing is just a. Fiasco. I mean, the whole like, oh, they pointed a gun at my head, and I was like, go ahead, shoot me. That kind of did raise some red flags because you're kind of like. Uh, you're kind of a bitch. Like, I don't what? think you'd say that. Just because Brazil, like, is you know known to be a war zone, you're just gonna assume that everyone's gonna believe you and not investigate it. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I, you guys follow him. Blemish, but he brought us some gold medals. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, it's just unnecessary attention. Oh, Jose, can you? So what else with the Olympics? We got Bolt. What's up? All right. So uh, last week we gave the we had the debate Phelps versus um. Phelps versus the world's greatest athlete ever. Then all of a sudden, Usain Bolt goes three for three, gets triple double in uh, Olympics or whatever, triple triple now. And now it's there's a question about who's the greatest Olympian, and I don't think there is a question personally because Bolt only has nine gold medals and Phelps got eight at one Olympics. Also, the thing you have to think about with Bolt is Bolt's event are the hundred meter, the two hundred meter, and the four by one hundred relay. So, so it's a hundred and two hundred is all he runs. Yeah, two one hundreds and then a two hundred. That's all he does. Where Phelps, as we talked about in the last episode, he does short distance sprints like Bolt, but he also does longer distances that are endurance events, which is why he's definitely a better Olympian than Bolt, if not the greatest athlete of all time. As a former swimmer, I oh would like uh, <laughs> I would argue too that the fly compared to the freestyle is like sprinting compared to a hurdle, and it's not like Usain Bolt's out there hurdling. There are opportunities for other medals. And he only has to run three events every Olympics, including prelims, but Michael Phelps. And Phelps, a small program for him is six. 
Yeah, so, I mean. Okay, again, guys, you're, there's no question who the better Olympian is if you're having that argument. But if you remember last week, we had the debate athlete versus Olympian, and you know what my stance was. And when it comes to athlete versus Olympian, Bolt is a million times, not a million times, but a much better athlete than Phelps. And if you don't think that, you're an ass. Can we all agree? Swimming is a way harder sport than running. Endurance-wise. Endurance-wise, maybe, but you, you, you apply what Usain Bolt does athletically in general to anything else besides swimming in a pool. He's a better athlete. What the, they, He's a better athlete. They, they you, can't, the, you to tell me that felt all, I made a simple statement. I made a simple statement, and you guys always got to jump on me. I made a simple statement. Usain Bolt is a better athlete. Then Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps is a better Olympian. And if you don't think that, you're an ass. I'll say it one more time. If Olympi- you want to argue the it, The Olympics ahead. is a combination of sport, Frank. To play any sport, you have to be an athlete. I don't get how you're drawing this line. So Ath- what, you're, what you're saying is swimming isn't a sport. No, I didn't That's say that. You- you're putting words in my mouth. I'm saying how he's is better at swimming. Phelps- Running? Okay, what do you apply swimming to? Swimming. That's it. Running applies to anything else besides swimming. Running applies to basketball, football, Ath- uh, athletics right. in general, any kind of track and field. Okay, yeah, it applies to football. You can run fast, but can you catch a fucking football? Because that's part of football. Who's going to be better track? at football, Michael Phelps or Usain Bolt? They're both basketball. They're going to be shitty. Wrestling. They're both going to be fighting. Shitty. He'll no. kick his ass in anything know except swimming. Sprinters have tried to cross over to the NFL to be receivers, and they can't catch a fucking pass. You know how many so times they've come? Caught. You know how many times they've come closer than people swimming the hundred meter relay butterfly? He's, I'm just saying Bolt put, is a better athlete than Phelps. They put Bolt in the pads. He couldn't catch a football. He tried out for soccer. He couldn't make it there either. At least he got a trial. So, all, I'm saying, if you can't say the athlete argument because all Bolt can do at a professional level that he can make money off is run in a straight line. But he and can all do any Phelps of those... can do is swim in a pool. So they got one sport they're both good at. They're not good that's at any the, other sport. You can't, you can't, that's an argument to be made, but it's a stupid one. That, it's a Phelps stupid is, argument. Phelps is probably better at gymnastics. Okay, well, you, you're I making can, my point for I me, Gerard. You you're making my point for me by saying that. I guarantee if you, you put Bolt that, right? in, if you put them in their comparable sports, Phelps is a better run at running than Felt or uh, Bolt is at swimming, and I can guarantee that's the case. You Did put, you say Phelps Bolt. is better than Usain Bolt at swimming? That's obvious. No, I'm saying that if you make Phelps run, he'd have better times. Like he'd be closer to Usain Bolt's times than if you put Bolt in a pool. So you're saying all if these you, you're saying all these ridiculous things. You're okay. saying that no, Michael Phelps is so an athlete. No, I didn't say he's an athlete. I said he's a worse athlete than Bolt. But he's a better Olympian. That makes no sense. You don't understand that's a contradiction. How is that not a contradiction? How is that a contradiction? Because the Olympics Who's the better are athlete, a combination Gerard? of athletes. Okay, if you want an athlete, and someone says, "I need an athlete," okay, right now, and you got Usain Bolt right there, and you got Michael Phelps's groggly ass, gangly ass. Who are you taking as an athlete? I don't care if they played professionally in well, sports in general. If you're taking Phelps, I'm taking a pickup football team out there and playing. I don't want either one of them because I've seen Bolt try to That's catch. That's a lie. You're lying to, for the sake of your argument. Have you not seen the ESPN video of him trying to catch with pads on? He doesn't make one catch with nobody covering him. He, I'm, I guarantee he'd be coming a lot closer to any sport professionally, even if he didn't make it, than Phelps, besides swimming. He's a better athlete. Phelps is a better Olympian. How is that not fair? Because if you're an Olympian, you're an athlete. At swimming. So it's a synonymous word. People, I mean, if you want to email in, if you want to inbox us on Facebook, Twitter, anything like that, please give your opinion on this because if you... Also Instagram. We got an Instagram now. Uh, now we have an Instagram, apparently. Instagram, I'm flexing. Usain Bolt Burn. versus Phelps. Better Olympian, better athlete. I'm saying Phelps, hands down, better Olympian. Bolt, hands down, better athlete. I think if you're making that argument any other way, you're eating the wrong kind of Cheerios in the morning.
I can name hundreds of sports that Bolt isn't good at, though. Like, neither one can ride a fucking horse. I'm talking about, you're, you're talking in general. I'm talking Bolt versus Phelps. I'm breaking you know it down Bolt to two can, individuals. Do you know if Bolt can play golf? Because we know Michael Phelps can play golf. Ah, uh, shit. Okay, so you got golf and gymnastics, and you got Bolt and everything else. I'll take that. We move on. I don't have Bolt in anything, though. <laughs> yeah. Any other he thing. Who's going to win the fight? Put him in the octagon. Put him in the octagon. That's not, I mean, it would be different weight class. If Bolt had to cut down to Phelps' weight, he'd probably lose. How much do they weigh? Phelps is probably like a slim, trim 165, and Bolt's probably running on 200 sprinters are huge. Well, so they meet at 185. I'm taking Bolt. Boom. Roasted. Burn. Okay. Got heated, but that's good. I mean, I just think that's a pretty simple argument. Tony didn't have anything to say on that. You scared of the heat? You scared to jump in? I'm just saying, how can you say somebody, oh, this person's a better Olympian, but therefore they're a worse athlete? Because it's only swimming, and Bolt's a physical specimen. How is that so hard to understand? So is Michael Phelps. Okay. No, he's not. He All sunk a right. hundred foot putt. That's about it. <laughs> All right. On that note, I think we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back and uh, we're gonna wrap some college football. We had too much this week in uh, other sports to do college and NFL together, like we promised next week. So we're going straight college this week, straight NFL next week. Just like how the season starts, one week apart. Let's come back. Uh, victory for the Spartans all day, every day. Let's go, nice RSF. <laughs> And we are here with the OSR, the Obscure Sports Report. It was not on air last week. And this is a little bit of a different, I consider it a sport. It should be in the Olympics, but I don't know how you'd put it there. And it's in the fall, how do you watch football games when you have events? The particular one we're going to talk about today is weddings. But just in general, when you have something on the weekends you have to attend, things we've done to sneak and uh, listen to or watch games. And to start it off, I want to kick it over to Frankie with uh, a little story he has from a couple years ago in college. And he had to attend an orchestra event, I believe. Oh. On a Saturday or Sunday football season. A, c- a couple of years ago in college, Gerard, you're making us sound old. You're supposed to shave off a couple of things. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, this is a great topic. I'm glad we brought it up, and I missed the o- OSR. So, uh, so thank you for kicking it to me first. But, yeah, no, everybody has their little weird things they do because when it comes to certain games and uh, when you're a fanatics like we are, you got to do what you got to do to survive and get your fix in. So uh, I had a college assignment, and um, I was – assigned to go see this orchestra play at this this crazy place in Ann Arbor. It was for a, an intro music class, just filmed an elective. And it happened to be the day that the Lions were playing the Jets. And we all remember that game. It's where Sue tried to kick an extra point or <laughs> kick a field goal. And basically the Lions were, you know, at the time they actually had some hope and, you know, people were thinking they were going to do some things. And it was early on in the season. This was a big game. And I'm like, dang, got to go to this dang symphony. Who wants to go to a symphony when the Lions are playing the Jets? So, J-E-T. So, my, so my wheels start churning, and I'm thinking what I can do, and I'm talking to the girls that I'm going with about it, hot girls. And uh, so I decide to get my, my headphones, and at the time, like, the, the new white iPhone headphones were, like, really sweet at the time. They had just come out. So I was being slick, and I put the game on, and I was supposed to be listening to the symphony being played, but being the slick, charming guy I am, I just had the girls uh, – take the notes for me and I had the Lions game on and I didn't hear a damn so thing. So classic, you had the classic one earpiece and so it actually might have been a beautiful picture with the symphony in the background and like he kicks the field goal dun, 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 Yeah, dun, dun, Sue trotting out there trying to kick a field goal while the fucking while the orchestra's playing. Yeah, it was a real Williams Hell Overture in the background. Sue lines up for the 21 yarder. Yeah, I'm sure there's better ones. It's kind of like you had to be there but it was actually really funny and the Lions of course ended up losing. So, I mean, I got a when you bring up the Lions, that reminds me, uh, last year, actually, Lions 
when they won their first game in Green Bay in however many years it's been. I was sitting in a tree stand in the woods. Thank God for smartphones with data so I could have the ESPN GameCast on my phone so I could at least get the play-by-play updates and see what well, was going on. Well, Tony, if you advance to the 21st century, ha, 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 you could download Fox Sports Go and you would be able to watch it. Right on your phone. So you were hunting watching football. Well, I didn't want... I couldn't have sound. I don't want to scare off the deer I'm trying to see and shoot. Uh, I think Frank just talked about headphones, but I mean, I guess you don't really want headphones when bullets are flying. (laughs) But it's just... The greater point here that I would make is we should have to be sneaking around to watch these games, people. You know what I mean? Oh, I was going to say the other one I got. This one involves me and Gerard. We were at a wedding for our cousin. Yeah, this one doesn't really count because we weren't sneaking. We just watched it on the table. Yeah, we, we just did it straight up. We sat right in front of the bar... So we could easily grab drinks at commercial breaks and watch the game on our phone. Last year, actually, Halloween, I was passing out candy with the wife. We were sitting on the porch. So what did I do? I opened my big front window and turned my TV wow. so I could sit on the porch and watch the game. Wow. Yeah. That's just, that's pathetic. You know, I think I had a, fan, a big fan, friend of mine. He's a, he's a huge Michigan fan. And these people he knows had a wedding down in Columbus on Michigan, Michigan State weekend because all they care about is Ohio State. And it's, I mean, luckily for him, it was the negative 48 game for Michigan, so he probably didn't want to watch it. But it's ridiculous to have weddings in the fall for if, you're, if you know that your friends are sports fans. Because there's 16 weeks of pro football, 17, and they, they play 12 regular season college games. That's a total of like, if basically, overlap, college football runs from Labor Day weekend to the weekend and a week after Thanksgiving. And there's something to be said, too, for if you want to have an outdoor wedding in the fall and have the nice leaves in the picture, it could rain on you. We had friends this weekend that freaking it rained out their wedding. The thing that it, it's tough, because if everybody, it, ideally, you just want everyone to get married in June, okay, when sports are dead. But at the same time, as you get actually, older. Actually, I mean, June, you kind of run into the NBA, possibly I NHL like summer. So, there's always going to be something going on, Tony. No, Tony, you're right. Frank, you're right. June's fine. June, July-ish. You want everyone to get married then, but there's so many people getting married, especially when you start becoming you know, a certain age. More weddings come up, so you got to spread them out. And people do like fall. People like the leaves and all that stuff. But the bad thing is, whether you like college or pro, it's going to be a Saturday or a Sunday. And no one's going to have a wedding on a Friday, so you just run into a lot of trouble. But I... The only solution would be to just, you know, plan your wedding on a day where, like, the, the, the good teams are at the beginning and Michigan's playing, you know, Carter U and, like, the Lions. There's really no bad pro game. It, they shouldn't do it. I mean, they just should do it. Sports it's, are more important. I, I'm trying to defend it, no, but I realize I can't. No, I will actually say my wife and I, when we were just boyfriend-girlfriend dating, she asked me one time, she goes, if we ever got married, when would you want to get married? And I said... Well, basically, you got a two-month window from the middle of June to the middle of August because otherwise, if you go into end of August, you're running into the start of football. That runs until February. And when did you get married? I got married on August 16th. And you should be commended. Good for you. More because I be told like my that. wife that. She remembered that. So okay. even though That's we, had, All right. we got it. There's a million yeah. <laughs> reasons. I get the bride is just selfish because you. If you're telling, if I'm having a fall wedding because I'm gonna let the bride pick the date, but if it's in the fall, we're gonna have to have some TVs for the game. Ain't nobody gonna be dancing. They're gonna be watching the game. You know what I mean? And the bride wants it to be all about her. And if that's true, they should have it in the summer. But I think some brides are so conniving that they think I want to take these men away from football for a weekend and be but here's the start the thing. show. Marriages are supposed to be about compromise. <laughs> And if you're a guy who's a sports, if fan, you still think marriage about compromise, Tony, to I'm surprised you're not divorced. There's no, there's no such thing as compromise in the world. 
It's fucking women rule marriages. If there really is women out there that are doing that, then, then the woman species is more evil than I thought. If they're planning to take the guys away, because you know what? I'll, I'll newsflash for them. They're, they're not, not gonna... thinking about football, Frank. They're thinking, oh, pretty fall colors. In well, my Gerard pictures. just made a point. I was going along with it. He said he made he made a suggestion that they were doing. I stand something by that. my point. And. I just think oh, I Tony's just not listening clearly to what I'm no saying. No matter how hard they try, they're not going to get the guys away. In 2016, their smartphones, you're not going to – if we want to watch a game or keep updated on a game, we're going to do it. I don't care where we're at besides, you know, I can't think of it right now, but besides certain places, we're going to be watching the game if we want Pretty to. Pretty much besides a the funeral, I'm going to watch every game I want to on the weekend. I, even if I go golfing, it's going to cover some of the state game. I'll throw it on watch ESPN and I'll have it in the golf cart. I won't get to see every play, but I'll get to see enough of the game to know what's going on. And who's on. paying attention in the wedding anyways, really, until the, the reception? I mean, if you got your best man, which you, you always got to do your duties and stuff like that and usher people in, which I did at yours. You know, you got to get people and do your assignments. Yeah, and then, hey, you, yeah, and then we get... All right, then 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 that's not... That's neither here usher. nor there, but uh, it's... <laughs> Burn! I thought my wedding was a good time. It was a great time. But basically, what the point is, the I'm glad we brought it up, but you, 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 can't, you can't be having weddings during important football games. It's just... It's absurd. It's There's just no really argument for it. I mean, you can get a girl to dial in, and I, I guarantee they'd say, well, you know, you could take one day away from football... Girl, if the Lions are fighting for a playoff spot, okay, <laughs> if the Lions are going to win a home playoff game, there is no, there's no keeping us away. You can have your, you can have your other day because uh, especially in this area, because with fall weddings, it seems like uh, that weekend the Michigan Michigan State game seems to be a big one. I know people that have done the whole they do it on the off week. Oh, rivalry weekend! If you get married on rivalry, <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? No, you should be shot, I'm yeah, afraid to say. Even if you do it the weekend that Michigan and Michigan State both have buys, it's like, what if Alabama and LSU are playing Death Valley? I know. I mean, college football, it's, oh, there's almost always a good game on every week. And it's even like, early in the season. I mean, we keep talking about the gonna pros. There's going to be a couple good games. There's really, if you have a Sunday wedding, another thing is the, the reason why summer's a good time, this isn't even sports related, is people are off. You take vacations in the summer. If one of them is a teacher, and a lot of, there's a lot of teachers in the world, you have vacation. People want to go places. So if it's a destination wedding, they can turn it into a vacation. In the fall, everybody's back on the grind. Fall is grind season. I'm out of vacation days right now. I don't have any to spare in the fall. Don't get married in the fall. Oh, I got time. I'm begging for a day off. Oh, that's just called poor planning, Gerard. I still got plenty of my vacation days left. Yeah, Tony, totally and that's how I to go. sprinkle them in for long weekends. Okay, so we do have a lot of listeners that are either thinking about getting married or already have plans to get married. We do have female listeners, ladies, gentlemen. No weddings during football season. If you do, compromise. Please, ladies, be nice to your men, especially if your man is a sports fan or if your man has any friends who are sports fans. Or just plan out to your reception at 8 o'clock. You get done with dinner. You throw the game on if you want to watch it, and then make sure there's enough time for like an hour of dancing at 11 when the game's over. You know, <laughs> that's a good compromise. Yeah, but then you got Pac-12 games that start at 10 o'clock at night, Gerard. Come on. Dude, the Pac-12 sucks. I could care less. You would have a wedding during a Pac-12 game. Right. Okay. So. so this was the... Obscure sports report. OSR, and uh, that's going to segue into our next segment, which is going to wrap about some college football and general predictions here and there about the season, what we're looking forward to, what we're not looking forward to. And I like to kick it off by talking about uh, old sick players at Notre Dame, gun charge, weed charge, gun charge, weed charge, weed charge, weed charge. So this is basically a special shout-out to our uh, partner, Joe, who's not with us. Because he's and showered with Michael Faust. <laughs> yes, Busy. Joe. So, yeah, so Notre Dame. Got themselves into a little bit of red tape. The the all uh, all fighting Irish, good old boys, 
smoke weed now. They 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 pack heat now. And, hey, uh, hey, I just wanted to say. academic scandal a couple years ago. Don't forget about that guy, Frankie. Manti Teo with a fake girlfriend. Now, they, now what? what <laughs> Joe it, wasn't fake. Whoa, whoa. it was really Rosie Palm and her five sisters. So, so Joe's not here to defend it. So we got to be a little, we got to keep this light because he's not here to defend his school. But he did make a good point in, in the group text. And he made the point that it's kind of sad, but it's just a sad reality that Notre Dame, in order to keep up with programs like Florida State, uh, Michigan, and just top Alabama. School, Alabama top schools in general, you're going to have to bend the rules, if not break them a little bit in this case. And, um, you know, he's not happy about it. He's, you know, G.I. Joe, the, the All-American type. He doesn't like that kind of off-the-field stuff. He doesn't play games when it comes to that. But, yeah, man, they got busted. They're packing heat. They're smoking hey, dope. Hey, hey. And it's Notre Dame. They're lucky, though. They're in Indiana. If they'd been across the border in Illinois, those misdemeanor gun charges would have been felonies. Yeah, I mean, that's what Joe was saying. they got to keep up. But that that's not true because they still pride themselves. If you ask an Notre Dame fan why they haven't won anything lately, oh, our academic standards to get in a rig of his. Brian Kelly doesn't give a fiddler's fuck about academics yeah, or no, anything else. There was a He's Sports a Illustrated article the year that they went to the national championship against Alabama talking about how basically one of the conditions of Brian Kelly taking the Notre Dame job was he got to change whatever they'd been doing that they wanted, such as the food hall in the dorm room that they put athletic players in, had to be open 24-7 so they could eat whenever they well, wanted. Well, that's just a good policy, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, that's good for anybody. I mean, everybody wants a 24-7 food hall on campus, I think. Hey, but come, at, go ahead. But at the same time, there's restriction, there used to be restrictions on living on campus, things like that. They got rid of a lot of those. They made it so that players didn't have to follow the same rules as all the other students did, which that wasn't the case before. They had freaking, what's a couple years ago, one of their academic scandal guys, they had to kick people off, and then one of the receivers they got caught, one of their better receivers, was at a Knicks game with freaking Lisa Ann, who, if you don't know, popularly plays a lot of MILFs, quote-unquote, and pornographic whoa, movies. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who was with Lisa Ann? One of the uh, receivers from Notre Dame. I'll Google his name right now while you guys rap Please more about do. this. Yeah, Lisa Ann, I, I've heard of her. <laughs> you probably seen a lot of her stuff on Prince. Anyways, right? yeah, she's got a big old booty, but um <laughs> wow. No, but basically what it comes down to is Notre Dame fan needs to take a stance or at least come to terms with reality like a lot of these other high pride uh, schools. Justin Brent. Justin Brent, cool. I never heard of him. Justin Brent, you're but a good like man. the article actually is Notre Dame wide receiver porn star break science. If you guys want to hear about how the sex was, or should we move on? No, no we can move on from that. No, but what I'm saying, guys, seriously, is schools like Michigan and schools, you know, um, that have come to terms with just accepting reality and with, with high productivity in the field is going to come these kind of things every once you in a while. You know what? There's very Jim few, Harbaugh does there's it. There's very few compliments that I'm going to give you of M fans, but maybe 10 years ago they would have said, oh, Notre Dame and Michigan are the two schools that still care about academics. Michigan fan has given up on that. It's win at all costs at Michigan, and I can respect that. And it's been that way at Notre Dame for, I would say, even longer because there's a lot of bums under Charlie Weiss's system. And then... They just still Notre Dame. Fan, I just want to hear one Notre Dame fan admit that like their standards aren't any better than anybody else's. But they won't. They'll hold on no, to way. Notre Dame way. fans are Michigan a little fruity. Anyways, hold on to having the most wins ever. Besides Joe, you know, here's my thing. Well, also with the Notre Dame thing is Notre Dame would have been Baylor if they hadn't paid a bunch of people a bunch of money and had them sign non-disclosure agreements. There was a student who accused a Notre Dame player of rape, and basically. When they tried to get him in for an interview, the football team came back and said, well, he's busy right now with football. You're going to have to wait a little while to talk to him. Then, when this case, then a week after this happens, 
the girl kills herself after it was revealed that there was multiple text messages from members of the football teams and their friends telling her uh, to kill herself because uh, they're going to make her life hell. You're looking at dangerous territory. Taylor DeWan sent a threatening text message to the girl Brandon Gibbons raped at uh, Michigan. And so what is Michigan the next bear? All I'm saying, Tony, is that's a dangerous territory to be walking into. For that's you hilarious. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> it's not hilarious. I mean, just the way Tony described it, of course. None but of that, no, I'm saying that, way. that they didn't even interview this player. And when they did, they brought him in. Yeah, but and he had a friend who suddenly showed up who said, "Oh, I was there. I saw the whole thing. The girl threw herself at him. He said no, and she forced him to do it. She and probably then, did. Yeah, except it turns out the friend was nowhere near where it yeah. went down. Well, all right, it's all alleged. It's all alleged. You're making me defend Notre Dame. We're talking now, about a story that's years old, but, and we already know my. It was the same thing with Baylor. The cops shouldn't have to go through a football team to talk to a player. If that's still a thing, it's the cops' yeah, fault. We've covered. If this. the cops really wanted to talk to him. They would have. I, the cop wants to talk to me, and Frank, they come to the door, and Frank goes, oh, you can't talk to him right now. He's busy, and I'm downstairs masturbating. They're kicking the door down, all right? The cops can fucking do whatever they want, and in these college towns, they don't, and we need to put the blame on them, and until we do, I don't hear any more stories about football programs covering it up because that's kind of their job, in essence, is being football programs to cover stuff up. Well, the Notre Dame, there's no cover-up, and this we're talking about current issues. These guys got caught red. Oh, no, they're going to kick. And the thing is, only two of them have kicked off the team so far. Yeah, a lot of that's pending as Joe. And I know, if you guys, to rip on Michigan State, Dalton Williams, I believe, is his name. I'm pretty sure number 22. He got caught with a gun. He got caught brandishing a weapon at somebody. He, like, made fun of his girl. But he was smart. He had a CPL, and all he did was, like, show that he had a gun. So he got kicked off scholarship. That's still technically brandishing. I know it's brandishing, but I'm saying it's probably high. It's not still like he, it's not like he had a firearm illegally. He legally had the firearm, and brandishing is legal. I agree with that. And he served his punishment. He played for one season. Uh, without scholarship, and he earned his scholarship back. But I'm not saying all like a weed charge shouldn't get you kicked off the team. But if you're rocking a fucking Colt 45 and a fucking ounce of grass, you really don't need to be playing football. All right, so basically Notre Dame, they're a bunch of thugs now, and you know. Joe's I just, not- what I want to say, I just wanted to tear down the. St- I mean, stereotypes are normally negative. In this case, the stereotype is good that Notre Dame is somehow better and they excel, and I just that's not true. Mm-hmm. And I want everybody to admit that in the world. And until everybody Joe, goes, you'll be back next week. Until all 7 billion people we'll admit that, this. I'm not going to rest. We'll talk about this again. Joe, you'll be back next week. What else we got in college <laughs> right, football? We're move on to the Big Ten. Uh, my alma mater's in the Big Ten. Frank's alma mater. Tony's favorite football team's in the Big Ten. <laughs> and uh, My two favorites. Look, how do you think our teams are going to do this year? I don't want to go crossways because I'd have to say Michigan's probably going to go 0-12. But uh, Fox Sports put it out there today that Michigan's going to go 11-1 and and State's going to go 8-4. I don't see that for State personally. I see them dropping two games. And going eleven and two, and hopefully winning a bowl game to get or uh, ten and two, dropping, hopefully winning the bowl game to get to eleven wins for the sixth time in seven. What season. two do you see him losing? Uh, at Notre Dame and home against Ohio State. I actually have uh, Michigan State. When I was looking at their schedule, I picked them to go eleven and two as well, but I have them losing to Michigan and Ohio State. I also have Michigan going eleven and two. Because they have to go to Iowa, to Michigan State, and you mean two. ten and two? Because only twelve games in the season. Oh yeah, sorry, ten and two. I had them going ten and two with losing to Iowa and Ohio State because I think they can win that first one on the road at Michigan State. But then after that, when you're going on the road later on in the year, I mean, we had a good chance, I Michigan, because Michigan doesn't play a tough team before they come into Michigan State, and that's no. I mean, college schedules are absolute jokes now. I mean, they play Wisconsin, who's we can get into that to in a minute, but. I mean, they rotate because of the opposite side, Tony. We, I don't want to break that down. That's a little too technical. But uh, 
They could be ranked number one in the country. They have an outside shot at it. They're ranked number eight coming in this season. Yeah. Who's that? Michigan. I, I thought they were seventh. They're eight in one of the polls. Yeah. yeah Michigan six, State's six and 11 seven and 12. And okay. Well, I'm just going to make a prediction for Michigan. I, I don't really know State's, state's full schedule, but um, – and this is a real one. I'm not going to get into a heated debate like we did last week and get all animated, but I'm just going to be honest. I, I have a really good gut feeling. I like to go with my gut a lot in this show, as many of you know. I think that uh, that Michigan each week is going to be like a new Christmas present that we're going to open, and we're going to like what we get each week. Some presents oh, are going to be shit. harder to open with more paper, but I think that we're going to win every game and go to the playoff and win the national championship. <laughs> and that's what I believe. I think Michigan State will fall to uh, to and Michigan. And we all obviously. know who the Michigan slappy is. And, here. Uh, <laughs> and I think Michigan State will lose to Michigan and possibly Ohio State. And they'll finish somewhere and, you know, go to a, a pretty credible bowl game. I mean, it's going to be ugly for me. <laughs> I like to point out that a couple of weeks ago, or uh, it was in text message, we actually never got to do the show on when D'Antonio got pissed off that asking who his starting quarterback was. And I was like, they did the research, they would know it was Tyler O'Connor. Yeah, today he was named the number one quarterback. Everybody's known it for months. And I just, you know, but that's good. It's a lefty. Yeah, I, I mean. So Michigan playoff, Tony, you with me on that? or? I think Ohio State will be the Big Ten champion. Okay, so we're going to do that. I told him kind of stole the thunder, but Big Ten champion. I also got Ohio State. I don't – people – last year they had that quarterback controversy, and, I mean, State did get lucky and beat them, but Michigan's got to go to Ohio State. That's a loss. So they got that win on. So they need Ohio State to lose two games in the Big Ten. And besides maybe uh, Michigan State, we're also going to lose. I don't – guys, real quick, I don't want to – I don't want to have the audience think I'm just some crazy slappy. In all, in all fairness, I uh, – Sorry. In all fairness, I um I do think that it's going to be really tough to go on the road three times against Iowa, Michigan State, and Ohio State, and I think they'd be very lucky to come out of there with two out of those three wins. And I'm not. I'd be, even I'd be go. pretty awesome. With you. I I think that's a really bad schedule for me. I agree with you. And this whole because uh, Michigan State was on the road twice last year, and uh, Frank your Mike was loose. That's why I tightened it up so it wouldn't fall down. Yeah, it's just not fun to have someone do that. But um, so uh, Michigan State did sweep when they're on the road twice last year, but that. I mean, it sucks having to go on the road. They're, yeah. they're allegedly going to fix it in 2017 and 2018, but it's going to involve one of them losing. A, one of the three teams going to have to lose a home game to fix it. And uh, I think the thing is it's going to be Michigan, and Michigan's really pissed off about it, so like, they're not going to do it. But we'll see what happens there. Yeah, but, I mean, also in honor of Joe, I do want to do a prediction for Notre Dame, which I looked at their schedule today. I'm actually also picking them to go 10-2. and two. I'm taking Texas in that game, by the way. I'm. I'd say they beat Texas. Texas is a team. Well, Texas is a dumpster fire. <laughs> I was supposed say. to be better this year, and it is Texas. They've been saying they're going to be better for the last. Oh, like, I got Texas three, too. Four but years I still think Notre Dame's a dumpster fire. Okay. Well, I'm taking Texas. That's my bold prediction of the week. Then I'm pretty much going to leave it. At Notre Dame sucks. <laughs> but no, I have them. I my losses for Notre Dame would be Michigan State and Stanford. No, I don't see any way that uh, Michigan State goes to South Bend and wins there because the year they went 11-1, Trey Williams was out there intercepting balls, and, the, and the, their flag goes flying. The announcer goes, oh, that's going to be offensive pass interference, great interception by Waynes. Defensive pass interference. When Trey Waynes literally didn't touch, make any contact with the player, he went up and caught a ball. So, I mean, I don't see any way they win that game. We're going to have the refs against us. We're going to hit the world against us. But we do have a bye week first, so I like where your head's at, Tony. Thanks for picking State. Who's the, who does yeah. State play week one again? Isn't uh, someone real? Furman. Okay. Who, who does Michigan got? I wasn't being kind Hawaii. of saying. Hawaii! They, they play Hawaii. Jet I wasn't being Hawaii. kind of saying. I no, was trying I mean, to think of the name of the school. Wanna, we we're not going to do predictions for the entire, you know, all the conferences. We're not going to act like we're that knowledgeable. We'll pick a national champion here in a little bit. But um, isn't it a joke, college football scheduling now? 
Like when they made the playoff, they said we're going to favor teams that uh, make harder schedules. That's been proven not to be true. Because when State lost to Oregon, they were still they, even if they beat Ohio State, they probably wouldn't have made the playoff unless they won the whole Big Ten. I mean, here speaking of and they said this year, this, this year the committee is only going to look at who you beat, not who you lose to, which is also a stupid way to do it. It's just the teams are just cupcakes. Like Michigan has three hard games. State has three hard games. The rest, I mean, Notre Dame has two hard games. Alabama, I don't even want to hear about the SEC. It's just a weak-ass conference. It's like these teams play one or two games, and the whole SEC mantra, they build up against each other. And they're like, oh, they're so good, they're so good, and they beat each other. But they're also really bad and beating each other. I actually heard a joke once. I'm not going to say it, but it's, it was uh, is SEC an acronym for something else. Okay, is SEC an acronym for suck each other's cocks? <laughs> because that seriously is like, when you talk to SEC fans, they'll tell you like, oh, yeah, like I'm a Vanderbilt fan, and yeah, we suck. But, uh, oh, my God, we play in the SEC. Our conference is so good. Look at us. Alabama, LSU, Old Miss, Mississippi State, oh, Arkansas. Funny, oh, my God. My fucking earphones off. You keep talking like that. But, <laughs> no, yeah, it's just it's a, I want to see better games. We do have uh, – who's Alabama playing the first week? Is that USC and Texas? No, Notre Dame and Texas play the first week. Uh, no, in Texas, USC, Alabama, I believe, is the game. And they're playing in Arlington. I'm not sure, but Cowboys USC Stadium? isn't really that good of a team anymore. Yeah, well, what I'm saying is we need to have better games. There has, I think, got to make some kind of rule where if you don't play like, uh, I don't know how you come to the kind of system, but in your four off-season games, you only get two cupcakes. Now you're gonna have one from a lesser division, a non-power five, and one FCS or one more non-power five game. But the other two have to be in the power five conferences. Alabama canceled the series with Michigan State because they agreed originally to play one in Tuscaloosa and one in uh, East Lansing. And then they said, oh, no, no, no. We'll play one in Tuscaloosa, but yours has to be a neutral site game. We're thinking Dallas. How's Dallas neutral? And they wouldn't even come up to Chicago to play in uh, um, Soldier Field. And it's just, it's, it makes, I'm going to watch, the reason why college football is cool at the beginning because we get to watch your teams every morning wake up and hope Michigan gets blown out even though they won't get blown out. And then every uh, afternoon I'll be watching State and hoping they blow somebody out. So it's still going to be cool for me, but it's not going to be cool for anybody else. You know what I mean? The first four weeks are kind of a joke. We do have LSU uh, Wisconsin at Lambeau Field too, which is kind of cool, but. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much write a whole month off of any team that you root for or want to watch. You can and then don't, the first don't even get off. me started on the midseason bye week where freaking all the SEC teams go down and play their FCS opponent. You guys ever notice that like midway through October, all of a sudden you can roll your B squad out there so you get an extra bye? Pretty much. Yeah. You, okay, you guys want to hear uh, Arkansas' schedule? Arkansas's? Or Alabama, sorry. Yeah, let's go with Alabama. <laughs> I, I was thinking Arkansas because I'm looking at them in Alabama's schedule. But so they start off, as you said, against USC. In Dallas, though, which isn't neutral because Dallas is Alabama territory. Yeah, definitely. It's Alabama territory. USC has a huge fan base, but it's, it's a private school. They don't have that much of an alumni base in Dallas. Yeah. And then the next week, they're home against Western Kentucky. Oh, WKU? Yeah. Oh, cool. Blowout. Then for- they go to Old Miss. Then they're home against Kent State. Home against Kentucky. They with, stink. Yeah. They go to Arkansas, to Tennessee, home against Texas A&M. Undefeated still. Going to LSU. and that's possible November, loss. That's November 5th. Then home against Mississippi State. That's a big game. Home against Chattanooga. 
See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, at the end of the season, they pretty much get a bye week by sketching a shitty tee. Yeah, that's... That is November 19th. November 19th. They're playing Chattanooga. That's... That you realize... And then it, November 26th, they are home for the Iron Bowl against Auburn. And that, not only is it a bye week, though, I just want to say, not only is it a bye week, that's also a way if there's, a, like, a like close discrepancy between rankings, it's just a way for them to go to pound town and someone to run the score and pit, yeah, look, fill another That's comparable, because right before the last week, that'd be, like, Michigan-Ohio State the week before playing Eastern and... Whatever Marshall, whatever schools that's shitty in Ohio, and being like, "Oh yeah, Ohio." Like, <laughs> if any, and they they had to eliminate that. Akron. They need to make that rule that freaking uh, oh Akron didn't Akron actually beat Michigan a couple years ago. The Zips. Well, I mean, you want to start doing all that stuff. We got the whole Appalachian State, and then you guys lost to Central. So, oh, we got our that, that was Antonio Brown though. <laughs> okay, let's not, let's not get into that. We did beat you that year though. So where, where does that really put Michigan? <laughs> I'm just joking, people. We're not getting that fired up this week. I'm just saying they got to do something about the scheduling so we can have Dick. better games. And this whole fucking playing Chattanooga in week 11, that'd be like the Packers getting to play, or the Lions, if you're a Detroit fan, it'd be the Lions getting to play, like, a CFL team week 16 before they play for the playoffs final week 17. And then you got the sports analysis, especially in the SEC, you see those you-know-what suckers come on come on TV and they have the audacity to be like, oh, you know, number one Alabama or number two LSU, you know, you know, granted, it was just Marshall, but they blew them out 75 yeah, to 3. Yeah, I mean, like, so it's that they got to jump up in the polls. they got to jump up in the polls by three or four spots, you know. And it, what's really depressing is, I mean, back in the day, coaches hated playing these crappy games, and the uh, most points ever scored, I think, was 256 or 226, and Heisman was the coach, the guy that Heisman Trophy's named after. It was Georgia Tech beat Dodge. Piss off somebody, and they didn't drop a pass. I think they scored every play they ran. And they won like 226-0. And his point was like, I'm sick of playing these cupcake games. And now coaches welcome cupcakes. Yeah. And speaking of And it's sad because states moved more towards the cupcake schedule too. I'm not, I'm not denying that. Here's the other thing is Notre Dame, since Joe's not here to defend them, let's bash them a little bit more. They love to talk about how the whole, oh, we're an independent, so therefore we can play the best teams in the country and blah, 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 blah. Here's their schedule. At Texas, which, as we said, they're a name because of their tradition of winning in the past. Yeah, now they're a dumpster I'm fire. pretty sure Texas won the Red River rivalry last year. I believe they did, too. Yeah, so we could have a little miracle down there. I like it, Frank, down in Austin. Let's go. Let's fire up Longhorns. Or then, no. then home against Nevada. <laughs> home against Michigan State. Oh, go Spartans. Home against Duke. <laughs> this is football, not basketball. Once again, as in football, not basketball, home against Syracuse. Yeah, it's because they play a partial uh, ACC schedule because they pick the weakest of the power conferences. Yeah. To, and ACC fans will talk about how many pros they have drafted. That's true. They have a couple stars, studs yeah, on each team. Yeah, because Clemson and Florida State are good. Clemson's not that good. Uh, didn't Clemson make the playoff last year? Clemson's supposed to be really good this year, Gerard. I don't still got Deshaun Watson. I don't buy it. But then, so yeah. Syrac- I'm skeptical. So home against Syracuse. Then they go to North Carolina State. Then home against Stanford. Home against Miami. Let's talk about some. Hurry up with this. Come on. Yeah, home yeah, against, people home, have Google, Tony. Yeah. Home against Navy. Home against Army. Home against Virginia Tech. And then they play on the road at USC. So basically, USC and Texas are their hard road games. And they're against teams... That well, Stanford dumpster fires. Stanford lately. has one hell of a team. We didn't talk about this pregame, but I'm taking McCaffrey for the Heisman. He definitely should have won it last year. Oh yeah, he got robbed. Uh, sure. He's a fucking beast. All man. right. Uh, I don't know how we're feeling here, but does anybody um 
Have anything else to say about college football? I'm spent. I'm pretty spent too. I'm trying to do. It's a little too early. On, uh do a little way too early on the national champion, and uh, I'm gonna go with the Buckeyes. I think the Buckeyes are gonna win it. Oh, oh you just picked Ohio State to win the national championship. Yeah, I think they're gonna win the Big Ten. I think Alabama's gonna be down this year, and I don't think that anybody else is gonna be up. Uh, I think Ohio State has something to prove after last season. Well, damn! It's I, I didn't even see this on here. We, we obviously hold the right to reserve these, but you know who? Oh, I'm, I'm going to change this, it. Making picks like this out of nowhere, I'm taking Harbaugh and the boys in blue all day, yo. I think you already did, Frank. Yep, damn right. I mean, you can just you know always default to Alabama. I obviously think Alabama's going to win it all, but I'm going to pick somebody different. I actually, I'm going LSU. LSU? Oh, because uh, Leonard Fournette? Yeah, they got Leonard Fournette. I mean, he's he's going to be challenging McCaffrey for the Heisman. Nothing like these August national championship predictions. I love them. You got to love them, people. Well, next week we're going to give you our way too early Super Bowl predictions. <laughs> yeah. And these are going to change yeah. about the oh, season. Yeah. That's the funny thing, though. Is like I love like when you make these predictions, and then you look at the season, and a team just oh, turns into a complete... Oh, what was I thinking? Yeah, and you're like, wait, I actually picked that team because of this player who's been hurt since week two? Well, that's the good thing. Dude, that's, uh, we're going to win a lot of games. We're going to play off, and then we're going to win the national championship. That's the good thing about doing a show like this, though, because there's no there's no hiding. That's why you got to be careful about what you say. Like the, the McGregor fight, you know, you can run the tape back and just listen. Everything's on document. So I really can... just didn't think that it was that easy to change into leg kicks. And like, uh, instead of doing Tigers in two minutes to end this, we're going to play back Frank's segment where he talks about using leg kicks to prove it. We can do it earlier, but we kind of ran past it. And uh, but yeah. Yep, so let's get to Frank's greatest moment on the show. The greatest moment. All right, this is uh, Frankie from last week, and he accurately predicted exactly what was going to happen in the fight. Call him Nostradamus. He could have won a lot of money in Vegas. Frank, you're my boy. Congratulations. I was wrong. You were right. You have that on record now. Finally, I get some credibility I was on the show. Finally, I get some love. All right. At After the same 21 time, episodes. However, I'm not going to lie. Jockeys do creep the hell out of me. 21 episodes, I get love. Swimming with the fishes. <laughs> And here we go, Franklin and his prediction. Now, the big point that I'm making, and I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this, is a big weakness on uh, the part of Diaz. I went back, literally, and watched some tape. He has fought Dos Anjos in the past and lost. He's fought Ben Henderson and lost. Nate Diaz has always been in big fights. Now, in those two fights, both were huge factors, were kicks to the leg. What a take. What a sick take. There you have it right at the end with the kicks of the leg. What somebody else started talking, so we have more of it. But, I mean, people, you heard it, you literally heard it here first. Leg kicks yeah. from McGregor. Frank even mentioned that nobody's really talking about it. And, honestly, I wasn't hearing about it either. So, Frank. Round of applause. For Frank. Hey. After 21 episodes and hours with these guys, I finally get a little love. I appreciate it, guys. Like every uh, every squirrel finds a yeah, nut Yeah, just remember this moment when the Lions are getting ass-blasted in a couple of weeks and I'm making fun of you. Okay. <laughs> well, that won't happen, but we'll see. I had a good time today, guys. Yep, so did I. So thank you guys for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the show. As always, like you can like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Revolutionary Sports Front. Go to our website, <laughs> revolutionarysportsfront.com. We're on Twitter, twitter.com slash RSF Podcast. Also, as of today, Tuesday, August 23rd, we have an Instagram now. It's Revolutionary Sports Front. Got a couple pictures up there. Go find the page. Like it. Like some of our pictures, that kind of thing. Also, you can email us directly at revolutionarysportsfront at gmail.com to let us know how we're doing. 
Leave us reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. If that's how you listen to the show, since the show's available for download there, and you, and you can subscribe to the show there. And as always, thanks for being a part of the sports revolution. Sorry we missed you, Joe.